Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we will continue our reflections into Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. We are in chapter 6. We are in verses 11, 12, and 13. This evening we are going to discuss what it means to have an enlarged heart, and we will do so within the context of not only St. Paul, but also one St. John Vianney. St. John Vianney, I have been waiting for this evening because as I was going through these verses ahead of time, I took note to to use these verses to speak about St. John Vianney because really it is here where you have a glove ball fit to who St. John Vianney is, his life, and certainly these verses. Now, before we go any further, I did want to touch upon something that continues to be at the heart of so many conversations that I have been having. Over the past few weeks, I have been talking about this need to, without ceasing to be who you are, become something more. What does the transfiguration teach us? Did Jesus cease being who he was on the mountaintop? No. No, but in his divinity, in his glory, he became something more before his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. My dear friends, Each and every one of us have a particular gift, a gift that comes from God himself. And in the light of who we are, we are called to share that gift, right? The one thing that has really gained traction, the one thing that has really gained traction in these conversations is this whole idea of, I have something unique to offer. You know, Joe, I never really thought about it before, I do have one thing that no one else has, and that one thing is how God created me. And that's right. That's it. You've got it. If you understand that point, then you've got it. Moreover, if you fail to share that gift, which, oh, by the way, before anything else is the gift of your very self, right? If you fail to share that gift, then something that properly belongs to the beauty of the body of Christ goes undisclosed. And that's the tragedy. That's the tragedy, my friends. And as I have now shared with more than one person, don't miss out on that tragedy. If people point the finger at you, if people don't accept you, if people look at who you are as by the world standards, something less than what they think you should be, Don't worry about that. Go deeper into God. Enter into that all-important gift of faith, that gift which allows you to bear the weight of your existence and become that person, right? When Jesus went up the mountain and revealed his glory, he did so because he was divine, right? And some of you might be asking the question, well, Jesus was fully human and fully divine, I'm fully human, but not fully divine, right? Well, yeah, but the divine became human so that the human might share in the divine, right? And consequently be divinized in God. 
That's the whole point. What does 2 Peter 1.4 say? We are called to participate in the divine nature of God, right? The deeper we go into God, the more we entrust ourselves to Jesus Christ, the more we share in God's divine likeness. And the more we share in God's divine likeness, the more we become the person we are called to become. There's only one Joe Holcraft because there's only one man who has my set of experiences over the last 42 years that have given shape and form to how I see the world today, how I interact with one another, and how I share myself with those around me. Brothers and sisters, you can apply what I just said to yourself, right? There's only one Cheryl. There's only one Lori. There's only one Debbie. There's only one Jason. There's only one Matt. There's only one of you in the world. And once we come to understand the importance of this call we have to without ceasing to be who we are, become something more, then and only then will we begin to see what God desires us to see. And my friends, what is most exciting when we do this, the body of Christ has more beauty. And that beauty is you, right? You in who you are. So we share who we are, we share our gifts, we share our talents, and we could do this to the best of our ability when we sink deeper into our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you want to pull your Bibles out, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. And I'm flipping there now. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 11 to 13. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians, our heart is open wide. You are not constrained by us. You are constrained by your own affections. As recompense in kind, I speak as to my children. Be open yourselves. Be open yourselves. You know, Paul rarely addresses his communities directly by name. And when he does, he does so to personalize what he wishes to express, right? Here, the direct address serves to communicate his what? Affection, affection. Paul makes this affection explicit at the end of the opening verse. His heart is open wide to the Corinthians. Another translation of this verb, open wide, can be enlarge, huh? enlarge. I like that image. You know, the image of an enlarged heart conveys warm affection and love. One of the great church fathers, St. John Chrysostom, explained that as heat causes things to expand, so does Paul's love for the community cause his heart to expand. I love that. As heat causes things to expand, so does Paul's love for the community cause his heart to expand. Um, oh, by the way, this is why we're going to talk about St. John Vianney. Now, Moving along here, Paul then reiterates his love for the Corinthians by informing them that they are what not constrained in his affections. Now, it's interesting. The verb for constrain here or confine is the opposite of the previous verb enlarge or open wide. So here Paul insists that there is no restraining or holding back of love on his part. It is the Corinthians or at least we can say some of them, who are holding back their affections from him. 
Interestingly enough here, the word translated affections refers to the seat of the emotions, especially to compassion and love. It really is a synonym of heart. So in antiquity, when you would speak of the heart, you would speak of what? But compassion and concern for others. This is where we get the word mercy, misericordiae, from the heart. Now in verse 13, Paul goes on to make his appeal for reconciliation. It is important to note that he now addresses the Corinthians with another term of endearment, children. We have already read in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul using this affectionate term to highlight his spiritual fatherhood. Why? Because it is as their father that he makes his appeal. Be open yourselves. Or we can also translate, open wide your heart, okay? Paul exhorts his spiritual children to enlarge their hearts, to open their hearts to his love and affection for them, and be great-hearted as he is. And by doing so, they will give a proper, what did he say there? Recompense in kind to him. You know, brothers and sisters, it is worth lingering for a moment over Paul's focus on the heart in this passage. By emphasizing the importance of the heart, he reminds the Corinthians of the presence of the Spirit in their hearts. Remember, it is the Spirit who enables them to become a letter of Christ. So Paul subtly challenges them to heed the Spirit's power. Moreover, we can properly say that the theme of the hearts calls to mind what but that great new covenant promise that God would remove people's stony hearts and replace them with hearts of flesh, hearts amenable to the Spirit's promptings. If you were to go back into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, what was Paul talking about there? Huh? Jesus gives you a new spirit, a new heart. So Paul is exhorting the community to bear in their relationship with him the fruit of the new covenant ministry, a ministry that is first and foremost about the heart and the need for the heart to be open to one another. And so it is in this vein that we do reflect into one St. John Vianney, uh, a great <laughs> French saint. You know, St. John Vianney, was a religious personality of extraordinary, unusual force. To the incomparable exclusion of everything else, he always addressed himself to the greater honor and glory of God and always about the salvation of souls. St. John Vianney was one who accepted his obligation to holiness at a very young and tender age a man of profound, profound humility. St. John Vianney was not a well-educated man. In point of fact, when he was going to the seminary, his struggles were so great that his own supervisors told him he was not fit for the priesthood. But there were those around him that encouraged his supervisors to be open to St. John Vianney's heart because he had a heart for the priesthood. So while the process to actually be ordained a priest took a bit longer in his life. Nonetheless, he became a priest. Now, in his first assignment as parish priest of ours, St. John Vianney achieved something which many priests aspire to, 
and that is how their community becomes a reflection of their love for God. And this doesn't happen overnight, right? But little by little. In the case of St. John Vianney, the people of ours were no longer able to remain aloof from the reality of God. Why? When a man attacks inveterate disorders and popular vices, he challenges opposition. St. John Vianney challenged his opposition. St. John Vianney was prepared and he knew that the enemy would raise his head. He once said, and, and I love this piece, and this actually brings uh, St. Paul in. If a priest is determined not to lose his soul, so soon as any disorder rises in the parish, he must trample underfoot all human considerations as well as the fear of the contempt and hatred of his people. He must not allow anything to bar his way in the discharge of duty, even were he certain of being murdered on coming down from the pulpit. A pastor who wants to do his duty must keep his sword in hand at all times. And here St. John Vianney says, Did not St. Paul himself write to the faithful of Corinth? I most gladly will spend and be spent myself for your souls. Although loving you more, I be loved less. What have we been talking about? This great paradox of on one hand being rejected, but on the other being accepted. This is what St. John Vianney was realizing in his own ministry. And like St. Paul over time, he was very, very successful. St. John Vianney, my friends, held nothing back like St. Paul. In many of his early sermons, he thundered against the prevalent vices of the village. Blasphemies, cursing, the profaning of Sundays, immodest songs, immodest conversation. He condemned all of it. And for many people, it was too much in the beginning. But again, my friends, it was the holiness of one St. John Vianney that won them over. A holiness that is what? What have I talked about so often here on Seeds of Truth? A holiness that is a sharing in the very holiness of Christ. It was Jesus Christ living within this great man that won so many souls over. It took St. John Vianney 10 whole years <laughs> to renew this tiny village in ours. But the community changed so noticeably and to such an extent that it was observed even by outsiders. There was no more working on Sundays. The church was filled more and more every year and drunkenness fell off. Brothers and sisters, he was a man who had a heart for those who he was ministering to. He spoke frankly. His heart was wide open. And over time, over time, they returned that same enlarged heart back to St. John Vianney. You know, in reading these verses, I have wondered if St. John Vianney himself came across these three verses and were struck by them, struck to the core, because in so many ways, the very life and the very ministry of St. John Vianney was very much caught up in these verses. Be rest assured, he was not well received early on, but over time, he was. Over time, he was. 
Under his guidance, my friends, the little village became a community of pious people to whom his labors were directed. He delighted in teaching the children their catechism, and he did this daily. And over time, he taught that people not only love for certain devotions, the rosary and adoration, but love for one another. One of the things that St. John Vianney is most remembered for is his long hours in the confessional. It is said that he spent roughly between 13 to 17 hours a day in the confessional. I mean, think about that, my friends, 13 to 17 hours. You might be asking the question, well, when did he sleep and when did he eat? Well, he slept less and ate very little. He was a man who also obliged himself to many strict fasts. He was a man for the people. He was a man that was about his ministry of reconciliation. He was a man after St. Paul's own heart. One of the things that strikes me about St. John Vianney is when you get to know his story, you come to realize that St. John Vianney is very much like St. Paul. It's actually quite fascinating. He was a man who was about his ministry of reconciliation, so he was a man who was about healing. One of the gifts that is attributed to St. John Vianney is the ability to read hearts. In point of fact, the first thing that got me thinking about St. John Vianney in reading verses 11, 12, and 13 is St. John Vianney's ability to read hearts, the whole topic of heart, right? So he had this ability to read hearts, this extraordinary gift to be able to see inside the heart of man. Now, some of you might hear that and think to yourself, what are you talking about? But hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of people who traveled far to just go to confession, this man found themselves amazed, bewildered at times at what St. John Vianney knew extraordinary facts into the detail of what St. John Vianney knew about people who he had never met before. There's the one story, I think I may have shared it in the past, where there was a lady who had traveled far to meet with St. John Vianney and to go to confession to St. John Vianney. And as the story is told, she got close to the confessional, but she saw that there were just far too many people in line. And she realized that she just couldn't wait anymore. So she went to a pew. She, she kind of slouched herself over and began to weep. And in between hearing confessions, St. John Vianney sensed, right, was prompted to get out of the confessional, ask the person who was next in line to, to go to confession to wait so that he might be able to speak to this lady weeping. He sat next to this woman and he said to a woman who he has never met before, your husband is saved. And she kind of looked at him with this startling look, right? What are you talking about? And in her mind, as she testifies to, she's thinking, how in the world does he know, A, that my husband is saved, and B, that I even came to him to inquire about that? St. John Vianney would continue to share what happened, something he should not have known. So he did. When your husband jumped off the bridge to commit suicide, which he did. It was in the moments before he hit the ground that he repented of his sin, and for that act of repentance, he has been saved. The woman was overwhelmed, right? Because he did jump off the bridge. Now, what's interesting about this is why he was saved. 
the act of this man that led to that particular grace. It was the moment in which you were putting a statue on a mantle that he did not intrude upon what you were doing that led to that particular grace. And as he was sharing this, the woman remembered the time when, he, when she was decorating her home and she was putting her devotional statues up that on one particular occasion, he did not interrupt what she was doing because he would so often do this husband. So here you have St. John Vianney telling this story in great detail to this woman who he has never met before. I mean, think about that. And brothers and sisters, that is only one story. There are hundreds and hundreds more that talk about the great heartedness of St. John Vianney. Now, I should say something here. St. John Vianney doesn't have a great heart because of his ability to read hearts. No, he has a great heart because he was so humble. St. John Vianney's reputation preceded him wherever he went because he was a man of such humility. I mean, he was called stupid by many of his peers growing up and in the seminary. Being called stupid and being called names is going to have an impact on you. But because of his faith in God and ultimately his humility and just grounding himself in the virtue of truthfulness, his heart grew, his heart enlarged, right? His heart expanded, expanded for who? Those who he was ministering to. And as his heart expanded, God then gave him this gift, this gift to see other hearts. I remember one priest talking about this and he speculated in a beautiful way. I wonder did St. John Vianney's heart grow so big that it actually grew into other hearts and it was then able to identify what was in the other heart? That's a fascinating reflection. The one's heart is so big, so large, that it actually grows into another heart. I mean, what we're talking about here is, I know, uh, deeply mystical. But brothers and sisters, why not? You know, some of you might be saying, this is just all too much for me, Joe. Well, Think about the resurrection, right? (laughs) If the resurrection really happened, actually happened, then my dear friends, nothing is impossible, right? And what have we said about the resurrection? Of course it happened. So much testimony. Don't listen to the hogwash and the gibberish of 2017 that would suggest in a very nearsighted way that it didn't happen. Go deep into history and it's a no-brainer. Yes, it takes faith. And we always pray, and we always pray for that great gift of faith. But be rest assured, my friends, the resurrection happened. And if the resurrection happened, what does that mean about the supernatural? Well, it exists. And if the supernatural exists, then the very thing I'm talking about right now can certainly happen. And brothers and sisters, it did. There are so many things about the history of our faith over the last 2,000 years that are extraordinary. Look at the life of St. John Vianney. Not only his actual life, but he is incorruptible. That means his body has not decomposed. His heart is incorruptible. Do your homework. Do your research, my friends, if you're hearing this for the first time. I'm not some host going crazy on you. No, no, no. No, we are talking about the real reality. And once we come to understand this, hopefully by the grace of God, it might open us up it might open us up. All right, so you can well see why I'm talking about St. John Vianney, 
from his incorruptible heart and to his enlarged heart for the people and to his profound humility. He is a man after St. Paul's own heart. And might I close with one last reflection. You have heard it said, have an open heart. We have been encouraged to keep an open mind maybe about a particular person or maybe about a particular situation. And as important as it is to be open-minded, Paul teaches us that first and foremost, we are called to be open-hearted, especially in our dealings with one another. To be open-minded can actually have negative connotation, to be open to a particular idea. Well, what if that idea is bad, right? But to be open-hearted is something entirely different because to be open-hearted gives you the capacity to journey with whoever God is calling you to journey with. To be open-hearted allows you to enter into that great virtue of personal accompaniment where you learn the art of listening. If we hold others within our own hearts, it is then that we become great-hearted. It is then that we come to understand that there are many people around us who are suffering from great wounds. Now, I did not get into this call we have to speak frankly, to speak honestly. I will do that to open up our program tomorrow because I do think it's very important, this whole reality that we need to be more frank with one another, uh, but doing so in gentleness and reverence, I'll talk more about that tomorrow. All right, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, The website is joeholcraft.org.